All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, welcome to episode number nine of this show for March 8th, 2021. Uh, it is International Women's Day, and it is also, I, before we start, it is also my big sister Anne's birthday. I am not going to uh, reveal the age on the air. I am going to wish her the happiest of birthdays, my fantastic older sister out in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, but I will remind her that she will always be older than me. So Anne, there you go. Happy birthday, and Steve, her husband, happy birthday tomorrow. It's kind of how it works. So anyway, um, I know they're listening. And rolling their eyes at me at this point. But uh, nevertheless, I wanted to share that on the air. Uh, today's episode um, I have titled, Softer Takes a Better Punch. I love that. Thank you. That's awesome. That's a perfect way for me to introduce. Yes, there's somebody else in the studio with me. Um, I have a guest uh, today. In fact, we're, we're kind of souping things up a little bit today. And uh, that voice that you heard is, is my guest, and that is uh, Tawny Santabria. Uh, she is a... Uh, she is a, there are a lot of things, right? Aren't you? I'm a lot of things. Why don't you just tell everybody what you do? Because you're here to talk about resilience with me and your, your expertise, as I was telling you before the show, really does seem to be resilience. So you seem like the perfect person to talk to. So why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do and all that? All right. I am Tawny Santabria and I am basically a presence-based counselor and coach. What all that means is really that I work with folks who are struggling with maybe a lot of overthinking. Um, struggling in areas where they are having uh, difficulty with connection with folks. Essentially, I've been doing this for 20 plus years um, with folks across the uh, across the globe um, who are experiencing some type of struggle, whether it be at work, in their connections with their family, at school. Right. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, you're helping people not only understand what's happening with them, but to develop that resilience to not only work through it, but like as I suggested last week, it's not just about surviving it. It's about working through it and growing from it. Okay. Yes. And uh, Tawny runs uh, Integrated Growth Coaching and Counseling, and you can find uh, find them at integrated integratedgrowthcoach.com. Did I get that right? You did. Okay, I you did. did. Very good. Well, and, and as you know, Tawny, you've listened, and um, I always start every show with a haiku to kind of capture stuff. And the title, as I said, is Softer Takes a Better Punch, because that's a term I know you like to use, softer. You know, get, we have to soften up to get to things like resilience, which is kind of a weird thing to say, right? But the haiku that I wrote for today's show is, is kind of in honor of that approach that you take. It goes like this. To soften ourselves as we tumble down the road means fewer Band-Aids. Ah, I love that. Does that work? I love it. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So what <laughs> you like that? Why? What is that? What comes up for you with that? What does it suggest on the basis of resilience and what you do? Resilience is a way of being. And when mm-hmm. we soften in to what is in front of us, mm-hmm. we are much more pliable. We can adapt. Um, we can get into the safety system of our body, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are. Yeah. We are. As opposed to being rigid. Okay. And tense. Okay, so so rigidity means like feeling feeling tense about whatever's happening, whatever Mm -hmm. difficult situation that you're working through. Mm -hmm. You're suggesting that actually in the body, if we just soften a little, right, breathe, Mm -hmm. soften our, you know, so soften the body. We're actually going to do a better job 
of working through that otherwise. Absolutely. Okay. Now, is that, do you find that with your clients to be counterintuitive to them? Like, is that something they look at you and go, like they do that dog thing where they cock their head when they don't quite understand that? Softening is um, an interesting thing that we don't tend to talk about practicing quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So the experience I've had with a lot of my clients is when I say soften or they say soften or we say soften some more and soften a little bit more. Mm -hmm. The experience of that in three to five seconds is so profound that the the head cocking's not happening. Doesn't happen. Oh, okay. They're just too excited about the, the, the fact that something's changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. So it sounds like, I mean, and, and I know this, but for everybody else, that your work isn't just focused in the cognitive understanding of what's happening. Obviously, that's an important part of any counseling, particularly for people that are developing resilience or in a tough situation. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're working with the whole body as well. Uh, can, you, can you explain a little bit about that? We all know that we keep tension in weird spots. But most, for the most part, we think, okay, I'll take, a, take something to relieve that pain. You're actually suggesting there's a lot more to this than just identifying where that pain or that struggle is. Yes, pain and struggle are just blockages of energy, if we think about it mm-hmm. that way. We tend to spend 95% or plus a time in our head most of the time. So we're experiencing our life from a head place, not an embodied space. And we have our belly and our heart that allows for connection both with ourselves and other people. And if we're in the head most of the time, when we're in the head and not in the body at all, we're protecting and we're disconnecting. Mm. Okay, so leading from the head, like I'm, that is so me historically. Many of us. Well, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's, it's the place that we always think of, <laughs> mm-hmm. that we always think of about where our problems need to be solved. Mm-hmm. We also have that phrase of, you know, trusting your gut, mm-hmm. which sounds like you're kind of a fan of on some level, mm-hmm. even though that still is a mental phrasing. You're, you're suggesting that when we, when we kind of go to the gut and whatever experience we're feeling in, that we're trying to be resilient through mm-hmm. grief, anger, frustration, sadness, that's starting there and then working up from there out of that. That's interesting because that suggests then that the body is not just this place where the brain is in the middle and it's just a bunch of moving parts as a result, but it suggests that our body actually is equipped or hardwired to do these things for us, to handle these things for us. So is it fair to say as an expert in resilience that our bodies are designed to handle this kind of thing and to help us pr- not just handle it, but work through it. Absolutely. When we think about resilience, re- resilience requires vulnerability. It requires connection. It requires an ability to adapt and um, trust. So all of that happens in the body. We think about the belly being our psychological core. When we're in the belly, breathing into the belly, with in tune with the belly, we are connecting with ourselves. So we're getting information that's super helpful to mm-hmm. what might need to happen next for us. Mm-hmm. When we're connected in the heart, we're connecting then to other people or animals or nature. So we're in connection when we're in the heart space, whether our, we've brought our awareness into the heart space, we're breathing through heart space, we're in connection with other. Mm-hmm. When we're in connection with both of those places and then we're thinking, we're going to get the best out of ourselves. That's resiliency. If we're just thinking our way through life, 
and not connected to heart and belly space or our psychological core, mm-hmm. we are at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. We're using one part of our ability to experience the world from a headspace. Right, because it seems as if what that does is just starting from the headspace, as you describe it, is really kind of turning off the indicators that the brain can get from what our emotions are or how our body is feeling, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's almost like it'd be ignoring the signals that the body is giving you just for the sake of either pushing that away, right? Or people calling it grinning it and bearing it, mm-hmm. you know, or persevering. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be something that they think that, well, that's just, I just feel bad. So I just need to pretend it's not there. So I just need to kind of keep going, right? Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of thing. Because it's it's interesting when when I first when I first checked out like your webinars and, and things like that and you know mm-hmm. certainly need to talk a little bit about those yeah. for people. I remember being struck by the difference. For me, I start with the brain in everything mm-hmm. historically, my problems, what I'm trying to do, trying to problem solve, and then I almost treated like everything else, my feelings, and then whatever was happening in my body as incidental, mm-hmm. as a result. What, I, what, what surprised me about what you're talking about is that it almost turns it in reverse, starting with the emotional connection in the gut, like what am I feeling, and then admitting it, right? Kind of breathing and admitting it. Okay, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. Mm-hmm. Letting that sit and then kind of working, it's working my way up to my brain so that my brain is then has all the information that my body can give it at its disposal. Um, now, what's interesting about this is that at, at – just first glance at you know broad brush, I can hear people going, "Wow, this sounds kind of woo-woo, JD." But it's actually grounded in science, right? This this is scientifically proven, right? These connections between our body, our emotional state, and kind of going up the ladder, if you will, the stomach, the the belly to the to the heart to the mind, because uh, we don't really shut off the mind ever, really, right? You're talking about where does it get all the information to kind of better dis- discern what's happening. Can you talk a little bit about how the body and the mind works together on all this? Why this isn't just this woo-woo idea? Why it's actually grounded in science? Yeah, so the central nervous system, we've got a part of that is the autonomic nervous system. We've got three branches there. One of the branches we know about, the sympathetic nervous system, we've Mm -hmm. got our fight or flight. When that turns on, we know that we are fighting or fleeing. Most of us spend a lot of time in that branch because we're up against deadlines or we're having stressors in our life. Um, just traffic even, can put us into that state. Oh. So we're hi- hyper-aroused most of the time in our day. Chronic use of that space only is depletes us. Okay. Right? It puts us into burnout mode or survival. Okay. We've got two other branches. Do you want me to talk about those? Absolutely, pieces? yeah. Okay. yeah. So we've got another branch is called the dorsal system, and that is going to be our freeze system. Basically, that's when that is there for us to immobilize. Okay. Like a large threat is happening, we are going to freeze and stay there. The sympathetic system that we just talked about is a mobilization system. We're okay. going to do something there. And then the last uh, branch is going to be our safety system. That's the ventral vagal. We want to be able to turn that safety system on. Mm-hmm. Getting into the belly, connecting with our psychological core, connecting with heart, turns on the ventral vagal system. Mm-hmm. Then we get to think from there as opposed to being numbed out or hyper-aroused right? and then thinking. Right, which is really reactive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. as what you're talking about is a way to get proactive. 
Absolutely. Really. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the, the science of, of the importance of breathing in any situation, mm-hmm. right? getting in enough oxygen to open up, mm-hmm. open up the red blood cells to allow mm-hmm. for more blood flow mm-hmm. will actually calm everything from blood pressure to racing mind to all of those things. Yes, absolutely. There's a way to breathe that's going to uh, activate the uh, relaxation response in the body. So that's exactly what you're talking about is when mm-hmm. we're taking in those breaths in a particular way, that relaxation response in the body turns on, we're activated, we are in our safety system. And then our potential is available for us from there. Right, because then we have a better, if we're from a calmer place, we can kind of keep a better perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and then and it's interesting because my experience with this has been that... When I do that and I'm, the brain is in the right spot, right? It's taking third place, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the third part of the chain. It's the anchor mm-hmm. in the tug of war. Mm-hmm. It's, I find myself thinking about whatever the situation is a little bit different. Because for me, when an, an emotionally challenging situation, I have longstanding patterns of how I react. You know, if, if someone says something to me that I take as kind of harsh, even if it's coming from a position of somebody that I know and love and I know cares about me, I want to retreat. I tend to really kind of shut down or I, you know, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to react. So I kind of close off. Right? However, I've noticed that particularly recently and several times where I've breathed through that, I'm suddenly not only am I not reacting the same way and calming down, but I'm actually seeing the situation a little bit differently because I find myself not taking it as personally or just going, okay, this is what they're seeing. Is there truth to that? And I can evaluate that one way or the other. And if it's not true, I don't have to be angry about it necessarily. It's interesting how calming it is and how many options I find in my mind when I do that, when I've been breathing through that, where I feel calmer and I have a better sense of what's happening and what my options are. And I end up taking things less personally. And I think, and I, I'm sure there are you know, friends and loved ones would, would agree with this, I find myself better able to communicate and better able to listen and all this. So this isn't just key for our own selves, but for all the things that we care about, particularly communication and relationships. Mm -hmm. So you must do a lot of this kind of work in relationships. You're a licensed marriage marriage and family therapist. So Mm -hmm. you must, do you find a lot of your work is in communication this way, other than just the simple, like working with one person? Do you find a lot of it's communication in couples or that type of thing? Absolutely. And what just what you said, when you get present, and that's basically what we're doing, is we're, we're creating presence in the body. We get in the belly, we get in the heart, and then we use our head. Um, we respond to life completely differently than we would if we were just in our head. So with couples, having them get into their body, be in the belly, in the heart, and then communicating from there, defensiveness is much lower, if any. Criticism, much lower, if any. Blame, much lower. Taking things personal, much lower than any than what would be typical if we were just coming from a headspace. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. See, and see that, and I, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening going, wow, that sounds pretty great. Mm-hmm. But it, it also doesn't sound very common. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily fit the common narrative of what happens in, so that's that's different with what you do than from what, a lot of people do. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. The one thing that I was able to do more of when we were face-to-face and in an office when I had couples come in is we would actually track heart rate during our sessions. Oh, wow. Because if heart rate goes up, we know we're not in our safety system. Hmm. Heart rate goes down when we're in our safety system. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, 
tracking heart rate in physical exercise is such a normal thing now, right? With all the technology we have and all the different uh, different companies that have stuff that will do that. Um, it's interesting to think about it in terms of a tool for helping with emotional exercise, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, that's really interesting. Isn't it interesting that, that, you know, with physical exercise, we have no trouble grasping onto that. With intellectual stuff, we have no trouble grasping onto that, that idea. But then when we start talking about emotions, you know, and centering and presence, things, people start to get kind of weirded out or uncomfortable. And, and that, I think on one hand, it's because it's kind of newer. It's not something that gets talked about all that much. But also, that's really where the work is, isn't it? It's so much work there. I love, you said the word discomfort. Mm. Getting comfortable with discomfort in the body is key. And that's the key to resilience anyway, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can be vulnerable, which is part of resilience, when we're comfortable with discomfort. Right. We can ask for support from other people when we're comfortable with discomfort. Because we have the bravery to ask. Yeah. We can, um, I just lost my thought that I was going to say next, so you go on and then maybe it'll come to me. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many different directions um, this can go in. And, you know, and there's, there's a phrase that, that you use sometimes that, that really makes me laugh hard because it cuts to the core of my own stuff. Like I joke with people that if I'm up in my brain for too long, it turns into a bag of cats up there, right? It just gets, it just gets crazy and I'm not at, not at my best. And, and yet you have this phrase sometimes that you use where you say, okay, all of that is true. You're feeling A, B, and C, sadness, anxious, frustrated. Does that have to be a problem? That's like, honestly, I think that could be like the motto on your website. It would be out of context, but it would work for anybody who's done it. Can you explain what that means? Like when you say, does that have to be a problem? How does that fit in with this, particularly since we're talking about resilience? Because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's meant to acknowledge the truth of something. And yet there's a difference there. We tend to feel certain things and then assume that those things are a problem. Can you talk about what that means when you say that? Yeah, resilience is all about reality, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we like to do in the head is we like to make up problems. It's very stimulating. And, it, and then we solve them and we feel great, <laughs> great, right? So, um, so if we're not feeling in a particular way, we decide from just a headspace that there's a problem. Mm. Most of the time, we just need to welcome and accept whatever is there. Let it be, let it move. And moves. So that suggests, of course, that feelings end. Like a feeling like when you're sad, you're not going to stay sad forever. Oh, it's going to come in. It's going to come out. It's going to come back. It's going to. And so the reverse, the inverse would be true. When you're happy, that's uh, not going to last either. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. And yet we don't ever seem to try to stop being happy. We do try to stop being sad. So it, you know, and this was something that I think I was trying to suggest last week in last week's show that I'm not quite sure I, I nailed down was this idea that whatever feelings that we're having with resilience, they're not going to kill us, but we tend to pretend or we tend to think they will. Like, you know, for me, it triggers one of the, those various, those various responses in the central nervous system. For me, if I feel something challenging, I freeze and I want to hide until it goes away. That's my historical way of, of handling it. Every once in a while, I'll lash out. Instead, I'll get frustrated. I'll get angry with myself or somebody else. Um, uh, I don't fight very often with those types of things. However, uh, what resilience seems to be at the core of what you're saying is recognizing the reality 
for whatever reason that's happening, not just the external events, but also what's happening inside. And knowing that all of that together, as bad as it might feel, doesn't have to be a problem. Absolutely. Because if it's not a problem, then what's, what's possible? We can get into the safety system. Okay. Yeah. The very thing we want. That is what we want more of. Absolutely. If it's a problem, we're typically in the sympathetic system. We're continuing to fight or flight or sometimes in dorsal, mm-hmm. right, with that numbing out or mm-hmm. that large freeze. That's going to be a problem in the body over time, chronically. Mm-hmm. When we get into the safety system, we're safe. And as humans, when we're safe, when there's a real feeling of safety, it's okay, whatever I'm feeling, I'm still safe. Mm-hmm. We respond and experience life completely differently. And I know, too, the way the brain operates is the more you can experience that and do that process of that breathing, developing that, the brain makes adjustments. It recognizes that these things work, and it makes it easier and easier as time goes by for you to go back to that, to remember in a given situation that you can do that, whereas once upon a time, you maybe didn't remember. And you could develop better pathways to deal with this stuff. That seems to be really resilience. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. There's not a push in resilience. When when you, oh, I heard you talk about grit last week. Grit, yes. grit is a push. Okay. It, it, there's a lot of effort. And chronically then, if we're giving a push and a lot of effort towards something, over time, we're going to deplete. Resilience, we don't have to worry about depletion. We, it, it, it naturally, we naturally renew, recharge, mobilize. And continue to create safety. It's that softness, that flexibility, that elasticity that I talked yeah. about last week. That, that's what helps us maintain that. I used the example last week of, of palm trees and hurricanes. Yes. You know, when they bend over, they bend over. Every other tree around there is just getting wrecked mm-hmm. and torn up. But they bend. They're designed to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's that same idea, I think. And that's where coming back to the haiku about softness, fewer Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we're softer, we end up with fewer wounds. Because that, that's what's interesting is that... We tend to ridge it up, mm-hmm. and that makes it harder, it, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. And, it, and for all of you out there, if that sounds counterintuitive to you, I get it, because it sounded counterintuitive to me, too, at first. And yet, in the experience of it, and then studying the science of it, and seeing how that works, and then experiencing the results, it really is true. And it takes, you know, we hear all the time that, that our emotions can drive us, or we're being over-emotional, or whatever the case may be. But it's interesting that, that what you're suggesting is a shift towards recognizing the emotional drivers that we have, the, how they interact with the body, and then using the, the very things we have inside of us to process that out. Acknowledging the emotions, acknowledging the mind, acknowledging the body, mm-hmm. and, let, and just being soft and working through that. So interesting. I think it's, it's when we talk about resilience, I don't think that's what people think about. Yeah. And none of it's a problem. <laughs> there it is again. Wherever, whatever it. it is, none of it's a problem. Mm-hmm. We just soften into it. Mm-hmm. Because when we soften into it, I know I've experienced this, is, is when I've had you know, difficult things that I'm trying to process through, and I can say to myself, okay, this isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. It's because there's so many other things that show that it's not a problem. I'm healthy. I have a roof over my head. I have food. I have connectivity. I have family. I have friends. Mm-hmm. I have love in my life. I have direction. I have all these things. It's that it's the power of that word and. I've said it many times on this show before, right? We sometimes tend to think that we need to be either this way or this way. 
something needs to be good or it's going to be bad. When really that word and can be, I'm really having trouble in this relationship right now and I'm not in this one. <laughs> yes. And it just exists <laughs> and it may not stay that way and it may change. And this good one over here may run into its own struggles as well. Uh, it's a really kind of liberating thought. Like how did you, I know we're running a little short on time here, but how did you uh, discover this? Is this something that you have really been uh, doing for a while now? You've said you've been doing this for 20 years. Has this always been a core part of what you do? Um, I discovered yoga about 12 years ago. And with, with breath work and in yoga, that was a, a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And more recently, um, just, just really diving into presence-based uh, practices that really get, get myself feeling in my body moment to moment to moment and studying with some of those folks who are leading that has been. Gotcha. So you're practicing what you're preaching. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every day. That's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's so many directions we could go with Mm -hmm. with this and we only have so much time. The good news is for anybody listening, though, is that this conversation is actually going to continue today Uh, in a half hour after Greg Kuyper's show at the root here in just a few minutes. Tawny and I are going to continue this conversation on Facebook Live. And you can go to my Facebook uh, page, just search for JDK Winnikin, uh, just like the title of, uh, on this show. And at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific time, so in about 30 minutes, she and I will be picking up right there where we left off. And we'll talk more about this because there's many other things that we can talk about, particularly some practical examples. I had a couple things happen this past week I'd like to hear your, your opinion on. And, uh, That'll and be then, wonderful. And so if you have any questions on that, come on over to uh, Facebook Live, JDK Winnikin, and uh, you can ask them there. Uh, you can also find Tawny again at integratedgrowthcoach.com. And uh, you can check out her site and see what she does. And she has webinars that she offers, a whole number of things. We'll talk more about those on Facebook Live as well. So, well, Tawny, thank you for thank coming you. in. And talking about resilience, I feel so empowered, like that I wasn't crazy last week, that I was actually kind of on to something. So uh, so for all of you out there, thank you for listening to today's show. Really appreciate it. Check out my website at wordsbyjdk.com. And until next time, till we see you again, either in a half hour or next week, uh, chins up, everyone. <laughs>